Hello and welcome to Let's Talk Tradies, a podcast brought to you from myself, host Monique Dralovac, bricklayer and owner of mjbricklaying.co. I have created this podcast to motivate, inspire and educate, bring you to a choice of topics from inside the construction industry, women in trades, mental health and wellness, along with a bit of fun. Welcome back to Let's Talk Tradies. Today I have with me Cindy, who is a residential sales manager for Victorian Austral Bricks. So hello, Cindy, and welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for joining me. So you went out last night for a couple of drinks in the town. It's actually Melbourne Cup tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> it's a sort of tradition to do it on uh, Melbourne Cup weekend. You have a long yeah. weekend. You generally have four-day weekend, but today I'm working, which is fine. Um, but yeah, just went into the afternoon and I was back home at a respectable time. Yeah. To watch the block actually. Oh, were block. you? Yeah. <laughs> I had to get home to watch that. Yeah. I um, went down to Woolworths, which is not far from where I'm staying mm. and there were just people out everywhere yeah. and I was yeah. like, I feel like I want to go out and party, but I've got to work today so I can't. <laughs> and I was a bit like having a bit of FOMO in my hotel room by myself. <laughs> yeah. That, I mean, Melbourne Cup weekend is renowned for everyone taking the yeah. Monday, especially yeah. the commercial sector and the trades. They've always got that four day weekend. Min- yeah. Minimum, some tag it on an extra RDO and have a five day weekend. Oh, I probably would too. Yeah, I would too. <laughs> well, you want to have the Wednesday off because you're going to recover from Tuesday. Possibly. Yeah. Yeah, that's the deal. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, Cindy, do you want to just tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah. So, um, I am uh, a mum of two. I've got three grandchildren. Um, I love to go out and, f- you know, dine around Melbourne and wherever else I'm travelling. Um, I've been working at Austral Bricks, or well, basically on and off, but... Um, since 1996. So oh, you wow. probably weren't born then. No, no? I wasn't actually. <laughs> <laughs> so I started at Austral Bricks then and it was actually called Pioneer Building Products back then. So um, then they had the new brick banner as well and um, then that evolved into what is today Austral Bricks, um, part of the Brickworks group. But I started there part-time and was there for 12 years and then I went to work for Selkirk for three years um, Selkirk is another brick manufacturer in Victoria and uh, they're based regionally but mm-hmm. um, they're sort of a smaller market. Um, and then I went to work for CSR PGH for a couple of years and I've been back at Austral Bricks now for about 11 years. So wow. did, did a full circle. So coming up to what appears to be 28th year. That's crazy. Loving bricks. <laughs> <laughs> Born and bred bricks pretty much. Oh, hey. Pretty much. It's in my DNA now, I think. Oh, wow. So mm. what made you get into it to begin with then? So to be honest, um, my children had gone to school. So my last one, um, she'd just started prep. And I was just looking for a role that would allow me to drop them off and pick them up from school. So there was a part-time role advertised. It was meant to be three days a week, which I thought that's great. That'll help me balance everything else. And that was in one of our customer service retail centres. So we have a lot of those retail centres dotted around where we're customer facing in a customer service um, capacity, but we also have an opportunity for builders and brickies to pick up some bricks and things like that. So, and you're basically also in those roles, a support for the sales reps um, as well. So I actually got that role and it ended up being five days a week, which is still fine. Mm-hmm. But I did that for about five years and it still enabled me to pick up my kids and drop them off and all that sort of stuff. So it was basically nine till three. That's awesome. So yeah. you actually got to work your hours around your life Absolutely. that you wanted. Yeah. And my, you know, once my daughter got to about grade five, then I decided I had a bit more flexibility to do 
a different role and maybe work full time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then I actually applied for a sales reps role, which was the paving and landscaping sales rep. Yep. So that's what I did. And then I went on the road doing that. So are you still in the paving and sales? No. Well, what I do and the the segment that I lead encompasses landscapers and all that sort of stuff as well from a a brick perspective. Um, But, yeah, that was my first sales rep role on the road. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Before then I transitioned to a different sales rep role, which was just um, looking after a territory, for example, and that at that time – meant that we were selling bricks, roof tiles, pavers and concrete masonry. Oh, wow. So that was all within our territory yeah. to do that. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So you got a bit of everything in there. A little bit of everything. <laughs> <laughs> um, so do you enjoy your working environment then that you're in as well? I really do. Yeah. I mean, I guess after <clears throat> 27, 28 years, it's, you've got to sort of enjoy um, yeah. where you work, who you work with to a degree. Um, and I think because my roles over the years have changed, um, you know, to where, where I am in this role today, um, I did spend about eight years, nine years previous to this role doing a sales rep role in the Metro West area here, which was a, like it still is today, a really busy growth corridor for Metro Melbourne. Um, there's a lot of land still, you know, being subdivided and that sort of stuff. Um, so that role actually kept me interested a lot longer than what I thought it would. So, because it was ever evolving, Mm. um, when I had finished working at, well, not finished working at PGH, but when I was still working at PGH, the offer was put to me to come back to Austral Bricks. Um, and when I accepted to do that, the territory that I'd been in before was the North and it was a different territory and then up me into the West, but it was, um, pretty run down. As a territory, it was only performing just over fifty percent of budget. So there was a lot of work to do to get it to where it needed to be. And I thought, no, I'll do that in six months. That's not not a problem. Yeah, I'd set some pretty good records at PGH and Selkirk. I thought that'll be fine. But it actually took me a good twelve months. Oh, really? Yeah, it was a lot of work to do. Yeah, and I think that challenge was really um, the catalyst for me just wanting to go in there, make it my territory, mm. um, and build relationships with the builders and bricklayers that fell within that territory. And that yep. was just at the start of when it started to boom as a as a location, for example, for new builds. Greenfield, Greenfield's estates were just booming there. So. Yeah, so there's a lot of, um, I guess, personal growth as well because what you were at Austral Bricks mm. and then now you've come back as well. Correct. Yeah. Yeah, did a full circle, came back in a different role mm. um, and, you know, I was never bored, for example. I think the last 12 months when I was in that territory role, I was ready to do something else. Um, you know, my kids were well grown and, um, you know, I no longer had a partner to look after, which was, you know... Lost about 105 kilos of dead weight there. (laughs) But, you know, it was actually freeing for me because then I could actually focus on what, you know, I wanted to do next without any, you know, distractions. Oh, the greatest things come with the biggest change as well, Amazing, yeah, the amazing growth that you can have from being uncomfortable sometimes. Yeah. Um, So, you know, in that last sort of 12, 18 months, I was able to do some additional courses and things like that. I was still pretty big on... Um, training opportunities, well. yeah. yeah Self development is huge. Yeah. Um, they really invest in their people. Mm-hmm. Um, we like to promote from within, hopefully, because um, yeah, we feel that that actually works better. It is, yeah. Us. When you build up like a decent community, and yeah. you know everyone's like really enjoying the environment, you have yeah, yeah. your little 
environment community. That's the yeah. best way to yeah. do it as well. Yeah, and a lot of us have known each other for so many years. Yeah. So many years through different roles. Um, we get to know each other's um, lives and, you know, mm. families and things like that. So, yeah, so then I was ready to do something a little bit different. So um, this opportunity came up to do the role that I have now and I sort of applied hoping that I would get it but ready to move on to something else if I didn't and that yeah. would have meant taking me outside the company. Yeah. Um, you know, because I just knew that that was time now. So, um, but anyway, fortunately, I was yeah. successful. And so it's a bit of like a manifestation station thing, where yeah. you're kind of like, if it works, it works. If it doesn't, that obviously means that's not working for a reason. Correct. So that's giving me, that's my yeah. opportunity to leave. Yeah, and I and I like to push myself a little bit out of my comfort zone oh, too. Yeah, same. And, <laughs> yeah, and, and <laughs> Why do you think we're here? <laughs> exactly. So you actually feel something when you've pushed yourself and yep. you're sort of a little bit scared mm -mm. and um i thought if i'm ever going to do something different to what i'm doing now now's the time i mean i'm well into my working life i need to make a change yeah um so yeah i was i was pretty happy that they saw something in me that meant that i was ready for that next step yeah yeah um so you, are there many other people that have been there for as long as you have yeah we we really um have longevity in the people that we invest in particularly. Yeah. Um, so, you know, my direct manager, he's been there for 20 years. Mm -hmm. um, we've got people in our dispatch office, inventory office, all over 10 years. Um, we we celebrate their anniversaries too, so the company acknowledges that. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's really quite special the way that they do things like that for them. That's really amazing mm. because there's so many companies out there that people absolutely hate or only they're like, you know, you see people coming yeah. and going from them all the time. Yeah. So to hear that you guys have got, got a really good like yeah. community built in there, that's just amazing to hear. Like, absolutely. I mean, so much. I mean, I think, you know, um, the retention side of things in our plant is harder because it's different. So it's a 24 hour plant. Um, but certainly within our sales department, we've got so many people that, are, and, and particularly even in my team, that have been there for many years. Do you find being a sales rep has helped you with so many other aspects so of many. your life? Because, I mean, yeah. I'm just a bricklayer, but I feel like if I had Don't like the skills. Don't say just a bricklayer. <laughs> but yeah, bricklaying's yeah. amazing. But if um, I had like the skills, I guess, of being a sales rep, like mm. I feel like I, yeah, would just have so many better skills in other areas as well, do you know? Yeah. I mean, by nature, I was very shy sort of person. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, getting into this industry and I was in my early 30s and I didn't, I was still quite a reserved sort of person. But let me tell you, I had to dig deep sometimes when mm. I had to go out to a site for a brick complaint and there would be six male bricklayers. Oh, yeah. And so intimidating. Uh, well, honestly, I had to dig so deep sometimes and not show that, um, I don't know, that sort of weakness, if you like. Um, and, you know, and occasionally there'd be conversations going on in a different language. Yeah. Purposely sometimes. And, you know, I'd sort of be quite timid and overwhelmed for, to a degree, but I, I knew very quickly like to change that. Um, face, you know, when I got onto that site and I had to be confident because I knew my product, I knew, you know, what the bricklays needed for a start. Mm -hmm. And within about 12 months of me doing that, it's almost like that personal growth allowed me to be almost a different person at work, if you like. So when it was a work-related thing um, and, you know, you, you come across as confident and that, yep. that covers a lot of ground when you're confident. I was but about also to personally as well. Yeah, it yeah, does definitely. make you grow and I'm nowhere near as introverted as I used to be. No. 
Mm. I feel like even the same with me, like from going from hairdressing into bricklaying, I mm. was so shy. Like even I remember when I was working at the salon, I would run away when boys walked into the salon and like <laughs> I'd go out the back and go to the toilet because I'm like, I'm not cutting their hair because I was Awkward. so scared to talk yeah. to them. Like that's literally who I was. Yeah. And I think lacking like the whole social skills when I was younger as well from leaving yeah. school, doing going into that field. Mm. But um, from my first year of my apprenticeship to my third year, I grew so much in yeah. my personality. I mean, I went through a lot of personal development mm. issues as well, but – I yeah, honestly, it's just crazy. Like a whole different ball game. Yeah, you learn so much. Like so much. Yeah. Do you think that um knowledge helps you as well? So like, let's just Absolutely. say like I'm new to sales. I'm mm-hmm. I'm gonna be a brick rep, mm. and I have a lack of knowledge. Mm. And I went out on site, and all these boys yep. were talking to me like, you don't know what you're about. Yeah. You definitely do need the knowledge as well, don't you? To be able to back yourself. Absolutely. So I think you know investing in yourself in that way by learning your product, learning your um, parameters of how to you know, be able to resolve an issue for a bricklayer or a customer or a builder or whatever. Mm. Um, I think that level of confidence, people then trust you. Yeah. Um, That's how I built my personal brand in this company is by people trusting me to do the right thing by them. Ultimately, you know, Austral Bricks is quite a customer-centric company, business. We're market leaders for a reason. We want to be the one that, you know, a customer walks away happy with like we don't want to you know upset people by not doing the right thing by them but you know I feel like that level of confidence to say no I can fix this for you I know what's happened here or you know I think that's number one Mm. to be able to do that for people yeah yeah and how do you feel that you gained a lot of confidence I mean I guess well you in your 12 months you feel like you gained a lot of confidence was I just constantly working were you doing anything Mm. outside of work to also gain extra knowledge no I I didn't do self-development or anything outside of work but I was learning pretty pretty quickly on the job. I was super fortunate that the gentleman that employed me, his name was Fred Sage, he's super well known within the industry. Um, He was like a mentor to me. Mm -hmm. So he was the one that explained to me about, you know, size variation and colour variation and this is what you do way before I even went on the road. Yeah, right, okay. He actually invested in me that knowledge. So that was like the most super helpful thing Unfortunately, well, he was the catalyst for me to come back to Bricks 11 years ago. Yeah. We had a, um, a, a, pers- a, a upper management at Bricks at the time where was the reason for me leaving in the first place. I actually mm-hmm. just didn't gel with them. I'm like, no, nah, time to do something different, move on. Well, he left and I have a, had a phone call from Fred saying, this is exact words, he's gone, you can come back. You're coming back. I don't care what it takes, you're coming back. Oh, wow. So I said, I'm flying out for a week away as soon as I get back I'll come and see you and unfortunately the day before I flew back he passed away he just unfortunately passed away oh, wow. yeah so um but you know the powers that were still there said no that's you know we still want you to come back so I did yeah, yeah. he was the he was the one that invested me in me the most do you know what? I feel like that's something that really I guess we lack in a lot these days as well especially with this new generation is that as much as like we have people that we can have as mentors a lot of people don't want to invest the time into it and I feel Mm. like it's just it's such a hard world at the moment everyone Mm. is so invested in their selves and money as well that no one is willing to invest in others and help Mm -hmm. others whereas like how can you expect someone to grow and be good at their job if you're not willing to invest yourself or time or an employee into helping them Mm. you can't just expect someone to jump on into a brand new Mm. trade or Mm. anything if you're not going to put the time and effort into training them yeah absolutely and I think that's why you know we have been successful in promoting from within Mm. Um, because sometimes I mean, we do have a mentoring program, which is, is, is wonderful to have through, for a business of brickwork size. 
Um, but we also have, you know, unofficial mentors, you know, people that will come to you for advice, um, you know, people that don't even work in my department for me mm. um, will still, you know, give me a call and vice versa. And being able to guide them or mentor them through, um, you know, a situation that you've got a bit more knowledge about is priceless because the next time they'll be ready to fly on their own sort yeah. of thing. And you should be able to feel comfortable enough to ask around and ask yeah. people as well and yeah. bounce off each other. Yeah. I mean, my manager, whilst a lot younger than me and I've known him for such a long time, he's taught me things in, in this yeah. role that I'm in now. I've been in this role for, you know, close to three years now. And my personal growth and professional growth growth has been, you know, um, exceptionally good because of, you know, the way that he is mentoring me in that way. Mm. So can you describe to us your typical daily routine? Um, I'm an early riser. So if yeah. the birds are awake, I'm awake. Yeah. Um, sadly, that still works the same if I go to bed late. I'm still up early. So um, I like to get out. And I think it's left over from my days on the road where if I was out on the road at seven, I would catch all the bricklayers before they were busy. Um, I would be able to go to all the sites that needed complaints and potentially get them resolved within that same day. Um, rather than going to a site two o'clock and trying to fix a situation, it's too hard. So um, I'm up early and most days I will head straight up to our head office in Woolert mm-hmm. and work from that office there. So most days there's meetings of some sort, there's planning. Um, obviously I'm a direct uh, contact to the sales, my sales team. Yep. Um, yeah, so and there's lots of you know planning and forward planning, forecasting for what you've got coming up in the next week, month, quarter. You've been able to pivot and organise um, for your team to focus on a particular task. It's yep. pretty important. There's other days where I will go out on the road with a sales rep for the whole day, go and see some key customers so I don't lose touch as well because yeah. you know, customers like to see you. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah. <coughs> um, but, yeah, I'm always on the phone to bricklayers or yep. builders, customers, reps. What time do you start at the office then? Oh, look, I'm normally on the road by 7, so, you know, I could be at the office just after 7, 7.30. Every day's a little bit different, but certainly Mondays are more back-to-back meetings. Um, So do you have any sales targets? Yeah, we do. We um, put a fair bit of work in to do forecasting for the following year. So our financial year runs from the 1st of August till 31st of July every year. So we try and start thinking about, what what the next year looks like probably in about May. So, you know, there's already industry knowledge about what's coming up. Is there a downturn in sales and things like that? Um, at the end of the day, our factory up at Willert is the newest one so far in the in the country. Um, we are opening a, another refurbished one in New South Wales, which is blows your mind when you go in there the way the bricks are made. But right now um, our plant at Willert needs to work efficiently at capacity and it can produce about 165, 165 plus million bricks a year. Wow. So being able to forecast having that at the forefront of our minds to make sure that that is cost effective and efficient, that comes into play when you're forecasting for the next year. So budgets, yeah, are set and rolled out for the 1st of August. So how many factories are actually here in Melbourne? Only the one. Just the one? And yeah. you're building another one, did you say? Oh, we've got two in New South Wales that one has just been literally – Almost knocked to the ground. Oh, okay. Um, There's actually a really good 
clip on YouTube. Have a look at it if you get a chance. Okay. I'll send you the link. Yep. Um, it's state of the art. I went up there in March and, you know, the way they de-hack bricks and all that, it just blows your mind. It's next level. Oh, really? Yeah. I mean, our, our plant here in Victoria, um, it's, it's, it's fairly new. It's still new and shiny and... You know, you've got machines and robots that have got names. Yeah. One's called Steve. One's called Fred after Fred's name. Are you serious? Yeah. <laughs> so it's actually like I'm a bit of a brick nerd, obviously. Um, yeah. People will <laughs> forgive me for that because it's, like I said, in my DNA. But when you go in there and actually see how a brick's made, I say to some some builders and brickies and supervisors, come and have a look. Like it's not boring, I promise you. But it is fascinating. You dig dirt out of a ground and it becomes a brick and people yeah. think it's just that. But, you know, there's additives and colours and, mm. you know, you need sugar and you need straw. And like, people are like, what? Like, yeah, you need all that stuff. You can definitely overcook them as well. Yeah, <laughs> oh, you can definitely overcook them. Yeah. It's just like baking a cake, guys. We try not to do that though. Yeah. No, oh, my God, yeah. some of the bricks I've had back in Perth are ridiculous. That's yeah. so bad. No, we, we, we like to think we're market leaders for a reason. We've got, you know, the best efficiencies um, you know, our service is next level. Mm -hmm. um, we service even from a transport perspective. We send text messages before the day before to remind brickies or builders, you've got a load coming tomorrow. It might have poured with rain in Melbourne. It gives them the thought to call and cancel it. You know, pre, you know, doing all of that sort of stuff to um, help everyone be as organised as they can be on site. Mm. So we try and be market leaders when it comes to quality, obviously, um, service and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's crazy because um, the way that you lay bricks and I guess the whole way of building houses over here on the yeah. east side of Australia <laughs> compared to over in Perth is so different. Yeah. And I really do want to – I think next year I'm planning to travel yeah. up around the east. Yep. And, um, just hop on to a crew. <clears throat> That's what I'm planning yeah. to do. I'm just going to chuck out a message on Instagram. Yeah. So, guys, want to put the message out yeah. and hit me up. <laughs> um, I'm planning, crew. yeah. Because yeah. I want to learn, like, everything we do in Perth, yeah, is definitely different. So, I yeah. feel like I'm practical. I'll be doing my apprenticeship again over here. And, like, I don't yeah. lay blocks. No, okay. Like, the concrete blocks. Yeah. Like, yeah. don't do them. So, it will yeah. be crazy even just that. Yeah, no, I mean, look, laying bricks over here, sometimes we sort of scratch our head. We're like, you know, there's different standards in different states. Yep. We are... Um, very demanding in Victoria. Customers are quite demanding um, of, you know, for what they expect bricks to be. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we do say to people, it's not, they're not like a porcelain dinner plate or a tile where they're all going to come out identical. Oh, you know? no, absolutely You not. are, you know, you have to blend. You have to, you know, make sure that you've got all your perps right and everything else because it's important to make sure um, the finished result is aesthetically pleasing. I mean... There's not many more things that you worry about aesthetic on such a large scale. You know, you've got clothes and you've got this and you've got that. But bricks and blocks, like they take up a huge part of... Oh, yeah, know, they're there for life. Yeah. You can't just change them. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I've, as we were talking about before, I finished travelling around Europe for six weeks or so. And, you know, I've gone to see bricks that are there 4,000 years later. Yeah. And I'm like, these bricks are insane. You know, I'm touching bricks and... You know, people are thinking, what is she doing? <laughs> but um, you know, it's just, just mind blowing that they are still there after earthquakes and yeah, you know, yeah. thousands of years, and and it sort of applies to bricks like they are the key to longevity. Mm. You know, of of construction done yep. done well, they can be there for a long, long time. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Wow. <laughs> so, how do you handle difficult customers in your line of work? Yeah, well, I mean, you can imagine over the years, there's been a few. Um, I think. Showing someone that you want to help them makes them let down their guard. 
So yeah. you often get people that are quite emotional because, you know, in essence, especially if it's their own home, it's such an emotional purchase. You know, they've spent potentially hundreds of, hundreds mm. of thousands of dollars building their dream home and, and there's an emotional attachment to what they're doing. So, you know, first and foremost, you need to explain that you're there to help them. Um, solving problems is part of every rep's day-to-day, yeah. whether it be from our internal <coughs> side of things to, you know, with with processes and, you know, things that we have to do to make uh, a delivery happen or a brick happen. Um, but from a customer perspective, you know, first and foremost, letting them know that you're there to help them with a problem. Sometimes the problem's not our problem. It could be mortar variation. Like we don't sell mortar. We sell – well, we do. We sell, pre- <laughs> we sell pre-mixed mortar. But in general, on most jobs, we don't provide the mortar. Yeah. So, you know, it could be that and we're trying to explain, you know, it's a mortar problem or yeah. whatever. Um, it could be that perhaps the bricklayer hasn't realised that, yes, all the bricks are red, but you still got to blend them. Mm. So they might have some patchiness. Yeah. Um, it might be that we've sent some bricks out perhaps that haven't conformed or what – to what they should be in those circumstances the quicker we resolve the problem the better yeah yeah so most of the reps will go to site if it's not too late in the day they'll go to site that day the latest they'll go is the next day mm-hmm. yeah because time is money right you've got bricklayers you've got four bricklayers on site trying to continue and yeah you know, we need to make sure that that's you know not not um not holding anyone the build. Yeah, yeah for sure yeah. um have you ever had someone like What's the worst someone said to you, I guess? Oh, lots. <laughs> lots. Yeah. I mean, look, you, everyone's got their cutoff point where you just decide, hey, that's not acceptable. Yeah, okay. No one, you know, this is not a major tragedy in the world here. Like, let's just calm down. Yeah. You can do your best. I mean, you know, you, you've got to approach things sometimes with different eyes. And oh, you have to, 100%. Yeah. I you, mean, you definitely change your attitude to each different client. For sure. And, yep. you know, I think, you know, I've, I'm renowned in what I do in the industry for not really taking rubbish mm-hmm. and I've had to have that um, mask on as we referred to before when I first started going to site and people thought that they could sort of push me around or, you know, not physically but metaphorically push me around in that sense but, you know, you have to stand up for yourself. You have to believe in your brand um, but you also have to believe in your personal brand and if you're not one in real life that's going to take being spoken to poorly, mm-hmm. you need to set those boundaries up. Yeah. Yeah, so, you know... I'm sort of really helpful and nice because I want to help you, but don't take advantage of that. Don't take oh, absolutely, yeah. Don't take my kindness as a weakness. No, it's not. <laughs> you're, you're definitely a very headstrong. I can see yeah. that as well. I think you're a little bit like me, but yeah. you've definitely got it yeah. down back. <laughs> yeah, I'm five foot, but I'm not a pushover. Oh no, definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> so, <clears throat> what sales techniques have you found most effective? Okay, so the best ones you can have are your time management, um, your responsiveness, um, your ability to identify a need so if someone if a sales rep is trying to sell a product for example someone says you know I'm building a house and I want 15,000 bricks which is a dream these days sometimes there's only 8,000 mm. but um you know and I I want a black brick or whatever but their budget lends itself to you know a lower category you've got to identify whether or not that person can afford that brick you've got to identify whether it's suitable for them um, so identifying that sort of criteria, a sales rep has almost got to have that innate skill to know that, mm-hmm. um, who they're selling to, what that customer really wants. Um, but I think, you know, in all honesty, these days when people are calling and not getting good service, 
you can only get away with that for so long. I mean, me as a consumer, if I'm ringing and the phone's ringing out, if I'm ringing and leaving a message, not getting a return call, like you're dead to me pretty much. You mm. know, so our sales reps um, are really responsive. Um, they return calls. They want that sale. We make the customer understand that they're important to us. Yeah. yeah. And you have to. I think the world's moving so fast these days. So you have fast. to be onto everything. Like mm. I'll message someone. If they don't reply to me within like 20 minutes an hour, I'm like, okay, I've already messaged six other people. Yeah. <laughs> we're the same. So bad. Yeah, <laughs> we're the same. We understand that that's frustrating for people. Yeah. I, I can't tell you the last time I had a call and someone said, oh, but one of your team didn't call me back. Yeah. They're good. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, we good. have to be. We're market leaders, right? Yeah, well, exactly. market leaders for a reason. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so at least now I know when I'm impatient and want my bricks done, I'll go call you. <laughs> call me. You've got my number. Yeah, exactly. Um, <clears throat> how do you stay up to date with the latest trends? Yeah, that's that's actually interesting because people think, oh, it's construction, it's manufacturing. You know what? It's set by fashion a lot, you know? Yeah, it's definitely. It's really set by fashion. So, I mean, you and I probably like our fashion and we like mm. to keep on up to date with, you know, trends and things like that. And it's no different really with bricks or yeah. with, I suppose, anything from a construction perspective to a degree, you know, curves are in, you know, curves mm. are in, you know. They're coming back, aren't yeah, they? That's, yeah, that's right. But, you know, we've had about 10, maybe a little bit more years in Melbourne of that monotone black brick aesthetic. Yeah, I've seen a lot of that. So much. You can drive down certain streets and every townhouse development is black. And we, that's our biggest selling brick, right? Mm-hmm. But I think we're coming towards the tail end of that trend. Um, still popular, but um, we're heading towards more the earthy, you know, um, even some like the recycled red has seen a, an emergence. I love the rec- recycled mm. reds. Yeah. That's so nice. We put so much R&D into producing a, um, a recycled looking product yeah. um, in the last 12, 18 months and it's amazing and it leaves the competition for dead. The, rec- the actual recycled bricks, yes, they've got an authenticity that's – probably a little bit above what we are selling but in all honesty the the ease of which you can use our recycled looking bricks is amazing with a recycled product an actual recycled product you've got to get them delivered all at once they're all different sizes no. players really struggle with them um, whereas ours you can get them delivered incrementally you want you know half a dozen packs and then call up some more you can you know we offer them pre-blended with whites and blacks or you can have them without the whites and blacks so we've done a lot of research and development into that because the market was calling out for that yeah um and you know recycled bricks are not always available there's got to knock down houses to yeah, get those. You do, so, yeah um so but i we've we're seeing a lot of the um hamptons look at the moment so you know you just follow those trends and you see what's going to be in front of you generally. is there a way that you guys can like sort of look into the future <laughs> in a sense i was actually listening to a um, lskd podcast and they were oh. talking about how they know what the trend's going to be in a year's time in I active wear yeah. and i was like how do you know yeah. what the world's going to be in a year's time but it is so is there anything that gets a bit like that in bricks or is it a bit more just as it comes yeah i think to a different. degree again leveraging off the fashion colors the color yeah. palettes that are out i mean we're looking at now in the stores and there's lots of whites and oatmeal and cream and you know, news, yeah. That. yeah all lot of neutrals um you know i think mainly just that but um there's obviously people that do a lot of research into that sort of stuff yeah, yeah. we've got a laboratory here uh, in melbourne where we where we're at the staff there are always coming up with new ideas and you know we're like make a purple brick and make a this and, make yeah. <laughs> and so they're, they're, they've got the the resources there yeah. to be able to do that and um quite often because we're the market leaders people follow us as well so yeah, yeah we're pretty lucky in that aspect 
So what are some of the common challenges that builders or customers find with bricks and how they can overcome them? Yeah, um, the challenges are sometimes, especially here in Victoria, the last 18 months, two years, getting uh, trades has been really difficult. Yeah, Enough yeah. trades. <coughs> so sometimes that has led builders to like maybe have to pivot and use lightweight cladding or something similar. You know, personally when I've seen a house that's been built with foam or hebel, uh, if that was my house I would be devastated. I just wouldn't want that sort of house. But, mm -hmm. you know, builders have had to pivot and, you know, work with what they've got to a degree. Um, we're finding that um, some of those builders that have tried to do that, I mean, chippies were still hard to get to do that install. Costs were very similar at the end. So they've come back to saying, no, we're going to go back to brick. So we're pretty happy with that. The other challenges would be maybe, as we said before, um, bricklayers not realising that maybe have to blend the packs through. Um, the other challenge we've had is, you know, we, we can get occasionally is if um, the cleaning's been done incorrectly. And like yep. I said before, we get called out to lots of jobs like they're staining. Well, we didn't clean them, but here's the solution. Like, although we didn't do it, we can provide a lot of insight into how to fix those problems. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so those challenges are the main, you know, sites are getting smaller. So instead of, you know, delivering, you know, 8,000 bricks all in one hit, which does help the bricklayers blend them, um, sometimes we can't get 8,000 yeah. bricks on a site. Yeah. Like, sites have dropped down to like sometimes 300 square metres. Yeah, here. they're so... It's tiny. Tiny. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. I don't know why you say that, but yeah, they're so small now. That, yeah, so. like boundary wood, boundary yeah, wood. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, you know, that provides some challenges as well. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, are you guys still really busy over here at the moment, do you find? So we're in a bit of a lull at the moment. Yeah, you are starting um, quite down. Uh, yeah, and yep. so, but we'd sort of factored that in this time last year that we were going to be in a dip. You know, the, the strange thing is personally I feel like this time next year things are going to be back to normal. And mm -hmm. with with brick supply, I feel like we're either super busy or we're not. And we never sort of plateau because it's either manic because we had all those incentives through COVID. Yeah, that's the thing. sent a false reading out about what was normal and um, it's the flow and effect from that is still happening. But we're in a housing crisis. Like we need to build these houses. So whether they're built now or they're built in two years, they've got to be built. Immigration's still coming in, pouring mm -hmm. in, and we don't have enough homes. What do you think is going to happen? Do you reckon they're going to – because I actually heard a while ago that they're going to try and keep building up rather than yeah. out. Yeah. What, are you, what are your thoughts on that? I read an article <clears throat> actually a couple of weeks ago that said like we need to be building up more because, yep. you know, people need to be closer into the city. That's the thing as yeah. well. You can't just keep building out. No, land titling is ridiculous here. Take It takes so long. They need to remove that barrier for land titling, which um, I think that's probably been a topic of conversation recently. But um, I feel like in the next 50 years, of course, we're going to see more apartments, yeah. you know. The thing is we have the space here but most people want to be close to, you know, within 30 kilometres of the city. Yeah, there's not a lot of that. No. Yeah, not a lot that want to be much no. further than that. And, and the thing is they often don't allocate the right infrastructure when they're doing all these subdivisions. So you've got people that live in 35 k's from the city with, you know, no transportation, not many schools, not many options. I think that they should address that as well. But, look, I'm not in Parliament, so, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I would like to be. They get a good wage, don't they? Yeah, um, yeah. But the thing is, you know, they, they what they need to do is perhaps build more communities that are self-sufficient with options to work within those communities. Mm. You know, have banking and finance and hospitals and 
universities or within those communities. And that's that's the thing as well. That's why, like, you literally you <clears throat> are kind of set. You have to be somewhat close to the city because, mm-hmm. like, exactly like hospitals and stuff. Like, you you're not going to get that more than no. two hours from the city. No way. And you know, whilst COVID changed the dynamic of how you worked and where you worked, and there was a lot of working from home. A lot of that's changed now. I mean, you know, myself, I was working five days a week at home, you know, through COVID. We were fortunate that we could trade through COVID and deliver and construction yeah. to a degree wasn't affected until it was here and that was a two-week lockdown. But, mm. um, you know, and now I've gone back to probably working one full day at home um, because sometimes you that face-to-face interaction within meetings is priceless. Yeah, it is. I personally can't stand Zoom. It was over Zoom. No, I am. <laughs> but, you know, you do it if you have to, but, you know, the face-to-face interaction. But, you know, people, there are some people in sectors of business that can work remotely the whole time. But I think people have realised the value of human interaction. It's very true, though, because even like myself, like, I've been like wanting to get a couple of coaches, but a lot of them are online. I'm like, well... I don't want to just be online. Like, yeah. I want to actually see people. Yeah. I am definitely more of, like, a visual, yeah. verbal person rather yeah. than just, like, online. Like, yeah. I want to get out the house. I don't want to sit at home. That too. <laughs> and, and you also bounce off other people when you're mm. in a classroom environment. I've just finished a course last year of uh, Challenge of Leadership, which is really um, quite heavily rolled out within Brickworks because it really does tap into the inner leader for people that are not perhaps yet in a leadership role or are and they just, you know, feel like that would help. And it was done by Zoom. And in previous years prior to COVID, um, our my colleague got to do that in a classroom environment. And I was so disappointed in a way that it was all done by Zoom. It was, you know, people were all around the country and yeah. to try and interject and talk. And yeah. Um, it's, yeah, I, so I would pick a face-to-face environment for learning all yeah. day long. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I guess going back, I guess, to when we were talking about like building up and out, um, what do you see the future of bricklaying going and the use of the bricks? Yeah, um, so I definitely think, yes, there's going to be more apartments. We're going to see more of that mm-hmm. in Melbourne. Uh, previous to, you know, recently there wasn't a lot of brickwork on the lower storeys. We now see an architect specify bricks higher up and brick facings, which is a market that is booming here right now. We've just developed uh, a new railing system, precast system in New South Wales that they do all the cutting for us. But um, we, we, a customer can pick any brick of our range down here, 76 mil size, and we can organise for that to be done on a railing system. Um, we've got Thintech, True Bricks and Panel Brick, all of these options that weren't previously available and now commercially and domestically, if they like, can go up higher to give that aesthetic of brickwork, you know, in, in a larger scale, which had died to a degree. Um, and so on those apartments that are going to be built, you'll see a lot more brickwork. Oh, awesome. Yeah. And the other thing was, you know, just as I said, coming back from a, a long period overseas, I was seeing structures of like tunnels and arches where there's brickwork all under, mm. you know, all on the ceiling. Yeah. And it was magnificent. And we're getting architects that are actually specifying that sort of stuff now. It's almost like what is old is new again. Yeah, so it's so like creative. Back, yeah. And we love it because it just gives a different feel mm. when you've got something so permanent in a spot where. Oh, and it's so much more character to it. 100%. And yeah. it could have been plaster. Well, plaster. Yeah, exactly. It's boring. Bricks are plasterous. But, you know, you paint them white and, you know, paint plaster white and it doesn't give you that same feel. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely doesn't. Yeah. In love with bricks a little bit. 
Yeah, do you know yeah. what? <laughs> you <laughs> you do. That. I walk around and I like, you literally, yeah. you see the different characters. Yeah. And like half the time I even look around, I'm like, I could like imagine who built this, like what Amazing. they look like. I know, right? <laughs> I mean, if, if you go into some of the restaurants in Melbourne, they've stripped the walls back and you can see the actual old brickwork and they've done Flemish yeah. Bond or, you know, and they've done all these creative things that 150 years ago were, the, you know, it, it didn't mean an aesthetic appeal to them. It meant mm. strength and longevity. Mm. But now you strip that wall back, take the plaster off and I love it. It's like an artwork. We have um there's a oh there's probably a few buildings around in Perth, but there's like one building in Guildford. Um there it was an old hotel and it burnt down and mm-hmm. they've re like they closed it for years, but they've like reopened it. It's probably been open for now a few years. But they've left a lot of like the old like you could even see like bits of where it's been burnt as well, but they've left right. all of the old brickwork and you can tell like what they've slightly added to and what right. they've not added to. But it's so nice like we walked in there before it burnt down. You wouldn't have looked at it. But now yeah. you walk in there and you can just see so much character and the way the bricks were and everything was contrasted back in the day. And it's like, wow, it just amazing. you're literally sitting in there yeah. eating food, like looking at the freaking building. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and imagining. Yeah. 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 It's there's, awesome. There's so much to be interested about. Yeah, there is. There's not many other parts of Australia. You don't see the frame and, you know, occasionally like, mm. you might see the flooring and things like that. But, you know, bricks are just such, I don't know, they just give you a feel of permanency. Yeah. Yeah. Like they're not going anywhere. No, yeah. Yeah. If it's good enough for the Coliseum, it's good enough for (laughs) Sydney Rocks or somewhere like that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So I have some – I have one community question. So this is what I posted on my Instagram story. Mm -hmm. So someone has written in, how do environmental concerns factor into the brick industry? Yeah. Actually, it's a good question. Yeah. So uh, we have actually got a permanent environmental officer working at our plant in Woolert. Um, He's done some amazing things when it comes to, um, you know, some, you know, lime that needed to be disposed of and environmentally you've got to be super cautious and, you know, considerate the way you do things like that. I mean, we're an industry that has water runoff and, you know, all of that sort of stuff. Um, You know, so we have a dedicated person, um, not just in Victoria but obviously uh, at Interstate as well, um, that makes that sort of, you know, way up high on the list of things that our company has to be proud of. Mm-hmm. Um, we have carbon neutral um, concepts as well. Our Daniel Robertson bricks that we make in Tassie, they're carbon neutral. So we're really conscious of making sure we leave as little of a footprint as we can yep. producing what we do. I think we are the sixth highest user of gas in the state. So, you know, obviously um, gas is a big we can't fire bricks without that. Yeah, no, so, you can't, yeah. Yeah, but when it comes to all of the other stuff, like we, we're super invested in making sure we're envi- environmentally sound. Yeah. I mean, even our trucks and things like that, we try, we're trying new things now like a high void brick, which means, you know, we're trying to make them less cumbers- cumbersome to fire through the kilns, which means that we can pack them differently and deliver them on the truck differently so that, you know the impact on fuel is even less. So yeah, there's okay, lots that yeah. goes on behind the scenes. Yeah, there yeah, is. There really, really is. Yeah, I was thinking more long term, some brick dust. <laughs> <laughs> That's some brick dust, but <laughs> yeah, there's lots of brick dust. But, uh, oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, okay, so is there anything else that you'd like to add or share with us today? Um, not really. I mean, I just think, you know, people should, um, you know, if they're builders or bricklayers, put your hand up, come out to the plant, 
give us a call. We'll take you through how our plant works and mm, see operates. our wrist made. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, there'd be plenty of bricklayers that wouldn't know. Do you know really. what? Last time I was in Melbourne, actually, this was with with brick and block careers. They were yeah. saying that I think they all went and did a day. Yes, they did with you guys. And then yeah. I was like, I want to do it, but I never yeah. got the opportunity. We're heavily to do it. aligned with brick and block careers. Yeah, and, you know, we obviously support the um, the growth of of apprentices into the industry because you know it's been it's been hard. The workforce has changed over the last you know thirty years and. You know, some of those older bricklayers are now retiring and they're not bringing up their um, sons through the – or daughters, sons and daughters through <laughs> yeah. the industry because that's what used to happen. There'd be fourth-generation yeah, yeah. bricklayers. Yeah. Um, but we are heavily aligned with brick and block careers. And, yes, we will love to take anyone through our plant and show them how a brick is made and um, it is, I promise you, very interesting. I feel like we should like do like school excursions on that. That'd be so. Yeah, so well, I've, <laughs> I've taken my grandson's nearly twelve, and I've taken him through our plant. To, yeah. to have a look at how brick is made. Do you know what? Next time I'm in Melbourne, I'm definitely going to come by. Please do. And make sure I put yeah, that on the list. Please do. <laughs> All right. So before we wrap things up today, I did want to ask you three quick rapid fire questions that sure. I ask everyone that I interview. Okay. So first one: What is something that you implement into your daily routine to always be consistent? Time management. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Key. Key to everything I do, whether it be at work or not. Do you plan your days Absolutely. before? Oh, I'm such a planner. Yes. Yeah. And I actually feel a little bit out of sorts if I haven't got planning. Yes. Yeah. I mean, my calendar, uh, I, I swear by my calendar, but even outside of work has to be. Yeah. Yeah. No, awesome. Yep. Exact same there. <laughs> <laughs> um, what is your proudest accomplishment so far? Um, to be honest, my prou- probably my proudest if in a work-related um aspect so we give an award or Brickworks gives an award um, at the end of the year calendar year at our Christmas function for what's called the O'Brien Award it's named after one of our um, ex-colleagues who's now retired but was a stalwart of the industry Mark O'Brien and that recognises you know all the things that you've done according to the Brickworks value throughout the year you know you've led and you've exceeded and you've collaborated and all that sort of stuff and this time last year, I actually received that award. Oh wow! Yeah, so that's probably my my proudest moment. Yeah, and I love when you caught me unawares completely. Yeah, I was standing there ready to take a photo of whoever won, and it was me. And I actually didn't even know I was eligible to be honest. And I yeah, and the five thousand dollar prize that paid for my tickets. Oh my <laughs> to gosh! Go to, to Europe and back. So in oh, all wow. in all honesty, that was that was a pretty proud moment. That's so, especially when you're not expecting it. That's so the not best reward. It. Oh my god, that's amazing! Yeah. Congratulations. Thank you very much. So <laughs> I'm the reigning owner at the moment of the Mike O'Brien Award, and we are due to present the next one um, at our Christmas function next month. Oh wow! Yeah, that's so exciting. Yeah. I love that. Very proud. Um, so if you weren't a brick representative, what would you be? Um, I think I'd be in project planning or something like that. Mm-hmm. I, I love. I do love construction and things like that. Yep. Uh, maybe you know interior design or something. That sort of grabs me. But I think I'd be more in project planning. Yep. I love being organised. I love delegating. Yeah. I love finding a solution to a problem. Yeah. Yeah, so all the same sort of feel. Another life maybe. Yeah. <laughs> I think I'm a brick. Hey, a brick it's never too late. True. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So that's what I have for you guys today. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Let's Talk Tradies. If you know someone who might like this episode or think that someone could gain something from the episode, please like it and share it on your Instagram stories and tag me in it at Let's Talk Tradies. Thank you so much, Cindy. Thank you for having me. Bye.